Okay, we're looking at the lesson 11 today. We're looking at the whole issue of the basics of the Christian life. And so I just kind of remind you of a few things here. When we talk about the basics of the Christian life, we're not talking about rituals. We're not talking about things that you need to do for your acceptance with Jesus Christ. We are talking about things that are basically components of your relationship with God. And the one that we're going to talk about today, we're going to finish up our discussion from last week, is the whole issue of evangelism. Now, you probably left here last week. I I thought about this. You probably left here last week, and you probably thought, okay, what in the world does evangelism have to do with a relationship? What in the world does my going and telling others about Jesus Christ have to do with a relationship? Well, I want to remind you, and, and sometimes I see it with young people, especially when we're on Facebook now, and, and a lot of the Chill Zone kids want to be my friend. And One of the things I noticed about them and their relationships is when they get go with someone, or whatever they call it, or get a girlfriend or a boyfriend, they tell everybody. Do you know, do you know what I'm saying? In fact, it's, in fact it's, I laugh sometimes because some of them, you know, Facebook, it says, in a relationship, out of relationship. And for some of them, that happens 50 times in a month. Do you know what I'm saying? But they're telling people all the time about who their sweetie is. That is a component of a relationship. When you are in a relationship, a meaningful relationship with people, you tell people about it. Do you understand what I'm saying? You talk about your special someone. Even if you're married for a long time, you'll talk about how great your wife is or how great your husband is. You might even talk about how bad they are, depending on your mood that day. But the reality is, is you talk about them. See, this is an, a component of having a relationship. So when you have a relationship with Jesus, a natural component is it's not a secret thing. It's not something that you need to be ashamed of. Do, do you know what I mean? In fact, the only thing that I can liken where you would be ashamed of it is, is if you're married to somebody and you've got a sweetie on the side, you, of course, aren't going to be talking about that out loud. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that's going to get you in trouble. So if you're in a relationship, you're going to tell people about it. And that's really what evangelism is. Evangelism is simply sharing about Jesus Christ. So as we start our second lesson today, let's let's look at some foundational thoughts. We covered these last week, but I just want to make sure that everybody remembers them. First of all, evangelism is nothing more than sharing the reality of, of Jesus with others. When we talk about evangelism, we talk about sharing the gospel, we're talking about sharing about the reality of Jesus Christ with others. We're not talking about how to escape hell, although that is a component of the gospel message, is the reality that all of us are facing hell without Jesus Christ. But it's not a surefire way to get you out of hell. It's not fire insurance that we're peddling, okay? So when I'm sharing the gospel... I'm not going to talk about hell. I'm not even going to be funny about it. I mean, I'm going to be real about it. But I'm not, I'm not, my message is about Jesus and the reality of who he is. Okay? Evangelism is nothing more than sharing the reality of others. Now, 
Our task is to share because God is the one who saves. Now, this is something you need to remember. It's God is the one who saves. When you share, it's not your job to save them. You're not going to save them. You may think you're saving them. This is the thing because you don't know if you're saving them. You may think so, but you may be deceiving yourself. Do you understand? Only God knows who's truly saved. I'll give you an interesting statistic. You might be shocked by this. In a typical evangelical church like our own here in the United States, statistic after statistic says that, for instance, George Barna did a, did did a study long ago that pointed out of those who claim to be born-again Christians, only one in three believe that it is Jesus Christ alone that will bring their salvation. The other two-thirds are believing in something else plus Jesus to get them to heaven, that they're a good person, they're from a right family, you know, and all this other stuff. Folks, they're going to hell. You can't trust in yourself. It's Jesus Christ alone. One other statistic, it's been shown over and over, several different researches have been done, is that half of the people who go to our church are not saved. Half of the people who go to our church are not saved. Now, do I know who they are? Do they wear a big sign? I'm not saved. Not unless they tell you. There's some who will admit it. But a lot of people are deceived. Now, how do I know that? What does the Bible say about that? Well, the Bible very clearly tells us that Jesus said that there was a sower who went out and sowed wheat, and in the night his enemy came and sowed what? Tares. And the workers said, shall we pull up the tares? And he said, no, don't pull up the tares. Wait until the harvest, until the time comes. And then when it's time to harvest, we'll harvest them all. And the tares will toss out to be burned. And we'll bring the harvest in to the house. Now, what's he talking about there? God's going to separate it in the end. So you don't know. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't know. That's a scary thing, isn't it? So what we need to understand is that when my task is to share about Jesus, he's the one who saves. So just because somebody prays a prayer, somebody walks an aisle, somebody gets baptized, does not mean they're okay. Because it's their heart that truly dictates whether or not they're saved. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's their heart. Where are they at? And, and maybe just kind of, can I be honest with you? And I'm going to throw this one out to you too. Might as well talk about this while we're here. They may not go to church and they're saved. Is everybody okay with that one? Just because they don't come to church doesn't mean that they haven't put their trust and faith in Jesus. It may be that they're not going to church because they've had a negative experience. Okay? So everybody understand it. Here's the other one. Maybe they go to a different church. Maybe they go to a different church. Just because they don't go to our church doesn't mean that they haven't trusted in Jesus Christ. Do you understand what I'm saying? So when you share, it is not about your church versus their church. In fact, here, here's a good point. We're talking about evangelism. Some of you have Catholic friends that you want to know Jesus, that want, you want them to know Jesus Christ, okay, right? 
Can I tell you how you share with your Catholic friend? I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't talk about how wrong the Catholic Church is. Can I tell you why? Because for, for, for folks in the Catholic, who, are, who, who hold to the Catholic faith, who hold to that group of Christendom, okay, I'm going to be honest with you, chances are you're not just attacking their church, you're attacking their family. Because in most Catholic families, there is a matriarch. It's either grandma or a great aunt or somebody who really is guiding and directing and, and kind of making sure that everybody's holding true to the faith. So when you talk about Catholicism as being wrong, which I would tell you don't, they believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now there's some other things that I may disagree with them about, but they hold to many of the same creedal statements that we do. But when you talk bad about them, you're not slamming their church, you're slamming their family. Now how many of you would like somebody coming and slamming your family? How would you like somebody to come and talk about your grandma? Are you going to give them the time of day? No. So we don't talk about people's other churches here. Do you understand what I'm saying? What we do want to talk to them about is, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? That's more important than where they go to church. It's about whether or not they have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you understand? So, and, and, you know, his, and, and, you know I, my background, there's a lot of that there. Not for me, but from what I was taught, that is not the way to handle it. You want people to know Jesus. Do you understand? That's the issue. The issue isn't your church. So let's stop for a moment. What my task is to do is to share about Jesus. Remember, it's not to share about my church. You understand what I'm saying? My task is to share about Jesus. It's not to share about my church. All right, so let's go on. A little passionate there. Evangelism is a process. Here's another foundational thought. It's a process. We'll talk a little bit more about this later as we go on to the thing. So I want you, it's not a one-time event. We've been so conditioned by watching Billy Graham on TV and, and, and watching people come down and make a decision for Jesus Christ and and we think in terms of a one-time event. Well, I'm going to point out something to you. There was a book written, oh, it's probably been 15 years ago now, called Living Proof by, by Peterson. And in it, he, he is talking about evangelism. But he made an interesting point. He talked about, now this is 15 years ago. So think about this. When Billy Graham was in the heyday 15 years ago, at the end of his ministry, the Billy Graham Association, in doing his crusades, they, have, they keep statistics. Billy Graham is immaculate about keeping statistics about their crusades. And here's what they found. 90% of the people who made a decision in a Billy Graham crusade, going forward in a Billy Graham crusade, 90% of them had a church background in a Protestant church. So they already had a concept about who? Jesus. Only 10% did not have any concept. So who were they reaching? Church people. 
Now, let's stop for a moment. I want you to think about it. Kerbinsville's got 2,400 now. It used to be 26, 2,400. Population has decreased 10% in our area. I don't know if you realize that or not. Okay. Population has decreased. Clearfield maybe has 76. Okay. And you think about Hyde and the surrounding area. So, so think about everybody that's there. How many, how many people go to church, actually? Anywhere. Anywhere. Do you think a lot of people go to church? Maybe 50. It might be less than that. You know, we got 10 churches here in town. If every one of them was filled, the whole town would go to church. So the whole town's not going to church, is it? Most people don't know Jesus. It's not going to be a one-time event with them. It's going to be a process of sharing your faith with them. You understand? It's going to be a process. All right, let's go on. Another foundational thought. In sharing, we bring words of life and death. So when we share the gospel, my task is to share the gospel, but the reality is is I'm either bringing them life or death. They're either going to receive it or they're going to reject it. They're either going to receive what I'm saying or they're going to reject it. Because for some, it is life. But for some, to those who are perishing, it is death. So the reality is is that, so what, what are you going to realize there? What I'm saying is either going to bring life or death to them. I need to get used to this. We're going to talk about it a little bit here in a moment. You're going to get rejected. You're going to get rejected. All right, one other thought. Evangelism is the process of moving people to make a commitment. Here's what we're going to look at. The process of evangelism. When we look at the process, what am I trying to do? I am trying to move people to make a commitment. Not a decision necessarily. Not get them to pray a prayer. I want them to make a heartfelt commitment to the person of Jesus Christ. That's going to take time. See, a lot of our evangelism is you hear a speaker and then you have, listen to me, because we go to the events too, we hear a speaker and then we tell people, do you want Jesus Christ, do you want to get saved from hell? But they don't have any understanding of who Jesus is or what Jesus has done for them. All they know is, is that they, they've heard enough and they've seen enough on TV that to say that hell's a terrible place and they don't want to go there, so I'll pray that prayer. But they don't have any understanding. They don't have any clue. Evangelism is the process of moving them there. Okay? A process of moving them to make a commitment. All right. In fact, let me, do, let me ask some of you. Some of you have been in church a long time. How many of you can remember people, quote, making decisions for Jesus, and then after a short period of time, you never saw them again? And here it is maybe 10, 5, 10, 15, 20 years later, and they're no different now than they ever have been, couldn't care less about Jesus. The last time they went to church was when they, quote, made their decision. How many of you have seen something like that? I have. Folks, they're not saved. How can you say that, George? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, one component of your, an evidence of the reality of Christ in your life would be want, want to be with God's people. Bottom line. And you have somebody who doesn't care, 
And, he's there, and, and Jesus isn't a part of life. They, they have, the only time they say Jesus is a swear word, I can almost guarantee you they're not saved. They're not saved. Because it's not a prayer that saves them, folks. It's a commitment. And I'm moving them to a place of understanding. It's a process of moving people to make a commitment to Jesus Christ. So here's what I want you to see the process is. The process involves recognition, understanding, and commitment. I'll go through each one of those. Recognition, understanding, and commitment. This is the process of evangelism. I want them to recognize. What do I want them to recognize? I want them to recognize, first of all, their true state before God. Their true need. That without Jesus, they are going to hell. And that they realize that because of their sin, I want them to truly grasp their need for Christ. That's recognition. Understanding, then, is I want them to come to the place of understanding as they recognize the desperateness of their situation that they understand that Jesus Christ alone is the only means of salvation, that they understand that Jesus Christ is the God of the universe, not some pathetic figure from history, but that he's the God of the universe who sacrificed himself on a cross for our sins, and that they understand that salvation is simply not anything that they do, but trusting in him and his finished work. And then it's a commitment where they, what, they commit their lives to him. See, that's the process of evangelism. Now, if you think for a moment of most of our evangelistic methods, there's not any of that, is it? It's pray a prayer. And you can pray a prayer and not have any understanding. How do I know that? Well, it's been my experience. How do you say your experience? Well, 1978. Baptist Church in our area, Southern Baptist Church in our area, back in the 70s was when they had the big bus movement. Okay? How many of you remember buses? Okay. And so what they would do is, is this, the part of the movement was is you would go into your neighborhood and you would round up all the kids and bring all the kids to church. And so my family didn't go to church. They weren't interested in church. My family was an unchristian family. Christian in name maybe, but unchristian. And so mom looked at this and said, huh, this is better than school. Sunday. I can get rid of them for the morning. So my brother and I and got stuck on a bus, and we got driven over. I mean, you're talking 9 o'clock in the morning. Put us on a bus. We got driven over, and, and the bus ride seemed forever. You went around and picked everybody up everywhere, and then you got to church, and you went to Sunday school and church, and then you got back on the bus, and you weren't home probably till 1 or 2 o'clock. You're a mom. That's a great deal. Now, that was my experience. In 1978, I'm 12 years old. And I'm in church, and I'm sitting next to my buddy from my class. There was a, I went to this church, didn't know anybody, but my classmate's there. So I sit with him. So we went to Sunday school. That was okay. We're going to church, and 1978, every Sunday he would say to me, Hey, George, you need to go down and get saved. What's that? I don't have any clue. You need to go down and get saved. 
So, finally, December 24th, I remember it, December 24th, 1978, Christmas Eve was on Sunday. And I remember, my buddy said, you go down. I mean, and I remember, I remember just as I am having 15 verses. Okay? How many of you guys remember... I used to think, when I really did get saved and go, went to church and they sang Just As I Am at the end of the service, they only sang it the three or four verses. And I thought, oh, that can't be, that hymnal's wrong. It's got to have 15. Okay? So anyhow, he's, so I, so I go down and I go down there and there's this big preacher, about like me. What do you want, boy? Remember, I'm in South Carolina, okay? I'm here to get saved. Boom. All right, here. And, and he gets my bus captain, who's a deacon. This boy wants to get saved. Let's go to the altar. And we go to the altar, and I kneel down there, and that deacon kneels down there with me. And he reaches into his pocket. And he pulls out a card and says, all right, boy, pray this prayer. And it was a sinner's prayer. And I prayed that prayer. Got up. Boom, slapped me on the back. You're saved, boy. Amen. And then preacher says, all right, Brother Cannon's here. You know, he asked me, what's your name, boy? George Cannon. Brother Cannon's down here, and he's, out, he's accepted Jesus into his life. And Come on down as we close the service and, and welcome him into the family of God. Three weeks later, I decided I did not want to go on the bus anymore. It wasn't until seven years later that I truly got saved. Folks, what happened? I did not get saved. I prayed a prayer. Nothing was shared to me about the gospel, about who Jesus Christ was, or about my need for Jesus. There was no no helping me to recognize, no helping me to understand. It was just, you pray this prayer and you won't be going to hell. And then everybody's like, oh man, you're, you're in the family of God. It's a process. Now, here's the thing. I'm going to be honest with you. Remember I told you this last week. You write it down. Evangelism is only going to get harder as the days go by. Evangelism is only going to go, get harder as the days go by. You can write that down on the side of your notes there. It's not in your list. And here's the reason why. Have you noticed that fewer and fewer people are going to church? We're becoming less and less of a God-conscious society. We've never been a Christian, a quote, Christian society. We've been a God-conscious society. But we're becoming less and less. We're becoming more and more secular. And because of that, we're meeting people more and more who have no concept whatsoever about Jesus or the church or anything. So if I want them to come to a place of understanding who Jesus is, it's going to be a process. And and here's the thing. This is why I'm telling you, don't sell what the church is. That doesn't mean anything. In fact, that could be a detriment to you. Do you want to note one of the news headlines this week that has gone viral? What do I mean by viral? It's an Internet term meaning everybody's upset about it, everybody's looking at it and everything. Well, it was the church somewhere, I think, in Indianapolis, who a little Baptist church, and of course they're going to put Baptists up there, so it's a Baptist church doing it, who uh, made a decision that uh, they, they didn't want interracial couples in their church. How I many of you saw that in the news? 
Folks, so what? Give me a break. It's like the other Baptist church, Westboro Baptist Church, that goes and protests outside of the funerals of soldiers. So if you're not saved, if you have no concept whatsoever about Jesus or church or anything, and you hear Baptists, and you're, all you know is what you hear on the news, what do people think about Baptists? They're nuts. Fanatics. Do you understand? So it's about sharing Jesus with others. It's not sharing about your church. So it's a process. Okay, let's go on now. Each of us has a role in the process of evangelism. So each of you has a role in the process of evangelism. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-8. through 8. Paul talks about this process and, and each person's role. He talks about it with reference to himself and Apollos. He says, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So then he, neither he who plants anything nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own award according to his own labor. What's Paul saying there? There's one guy who goes out and he sows seed. So some of you here may simply be just sharing about the reality of Jesus from your life with somebody. And you're not going to see anybody make a decision, but you're going to be showing them the reality of Jesus in your life and sharing with them about who Jesus is and what he means to you. And they don't say anything. They just take what you're saying, and they think about it, and they contemplate it. But then they come in contact with somebody else who maybe has an even more of an intimate discussion with them and talks to them about the reality of Jesus, and they make a commitment. One does what? Plants. Another does what, Paul says? Waters. Who's the one who gives the increase? God. He's the one who saves. You see my point? It's a process. And so each of you are going to be involved in that process some way. But here's the thing. Not everyone will see someone commit their lives to Jesus. So don't sit there and say, you know, I've been a Christian for so long now. I've never seen anybody come to know Jesus as their Savior. I must be, I must be a terrible Christian. No, give me a break. I remember I told you about the professor I had who served in North Africa for 20 years and never saw anybody get saved? You can't say that. It's God who saves people. You simply are to what? Sow in water. Sow in water. You're just simply to be the one who shares. Simply to be the one who shares. Now, we need to be we need to recognize that we'll be rejected. Here's the reality, folks. Here's what I'm going to help you understand. Most people will reject what you have to say. Get used to it. Uh, here's the thing. How many of you love rejection? Raise your hand. Good. We don't have anybody who's weird here. Okay? Okay, you wouldn't go that far. Okay. Uh, well, as far as that issue, there isn't anybody weird like that. Okay, Here, here's the thing. All of us want to be accepted, period. What we don't like is rejection. Now, here's the problem. I want you to understand. You've got to get used to it. You've got to grasp it that not everybody's going to accept your Jesus. 
In fact, I'm going to say to you, it's not just everybody. Most, M-O-S-T, most will not. Now, how do I know that? Because the Bible very clearly says that most will go to hell. Most will go to hell. Only a remnant will not. Very clearly, the Bible talks about a remnant. So, I want you to understand, most, you're going to be rejected. You need to recognize that. You need to just deal with that. You need to understand that. You just need to grasp the reality of that. Here's the other one. Here's the other thing. Why is that so? I've got to go through these quick. We have a spiritual adversary. See, there's somebody working against you as you share your faith. Satan. We have a spiritual adversary. Why? Here's the thing. You can look at the verse yourself. Satan has blinded the eyes of the lost to the truth of the gospel. So he's blinded people from seeing the truth of the gospel. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 through 4. Basically, Paul's saying, our, the truth isn't failed. The gospel isn't failed. It's just that the God of this age has blinded their eyes so that they can't see the truth. Here's the other thing now. So how, well, how do I share my faith? Well, there are many methods of sharing the gospel. Now, some of them you'll like. Some of them you won't like. So, like, for instance, when I, if you go down to Indiana sometimes, like I do, because we have family down there, and I go down into Indiana proper, and I go near the courthouse or something, every once in a while there will be an Anabaptist preacher on the corner with a megaphone telling everybody they're going to hell. Now, do I like that? No, I cringe every time that happens. But, folks, he's preaching the gospel. He's preaching about the way to Christ. Many methods. Paul even says that some, whether they do it to add to affliction to his life or they do it for pure motives, pure motives he just praises the Lord that the gospel is going forth. Period. So there are many methods, okay? Let, let's go on now. Most of you, though, most of you will share relationally. You will share about your faith relationally with others. That's how you're going to share. It's not going to be the door-to-door, knocking on their door stuff, which that doesn't work. Okay, that's why we don't do that. That doesn't work. So most of you will share relationally. Now here's the point. Here's the, you've got to grab it. Your personal testimony is critical to, to the sharing of the gospel. So if you're going to sit there and talk to somebody about the reality of Jesus, let me just remind you, your own life needs to grasp the reality of Jesus. You can't share unless you've got something to share about. Do you understand? So if you're not living right and you're trying to share, people are just going to laugh at you. Man, I remember when I was in the National Guard. I mean, I was a young guy. Just a new Christian. I was in the National Guard. I had a sergeant there who was a former pastor. And, oh, yeah, he, he, he saved. He's a Christian. He was a pastor, former Southern Baptist pastor. But when we went out, did our eight annual training, he was there chugging down the beers. And he'd get pretty drunk. And he'd be ogling the women, undressing them with his eyes and talking about them. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. And then when I hear the other guys, and then, but then with the chaplain didn't, couldn't come by on Sunday, they'd ask him to give a word. And so he'd give a word. Now, do you think he had any respect from anybody else in that unit? No. 
See, your testimony is critical to your sharing about Jesus. Okay, let's go on now. We must under here's the role of the Holy Spirit. We must understand the role of the Holy Spirit in evangelism. Now, this is going to set you free when you understand the whole issue of evangelism. It's not about you, folks. You just share. It's about the Holy Spirit. Why? Because without the Holy Spirit, there is no evangelism. Without the Holy Spirit, there is no sharing with others about Jesus. Why? It's not our job to convince people. It's the Holy Spirit's job. He's the one who convinces people. You understand? How you were able to grasp the reality of the gospel and accept it for yourself is because Jesus Christ at that moment gave you an understanding. He brought, the Holy Spirit brought, whatever the circumstances that were going on in your life at that point to a place in your life where you're like, I need this. I need Him. And you responded. Because you, you weren't there before. But at that moment, it's the Holy Spirit who is doing it. Why? Because God the Father draws people to Jesus. God the Father draws people to Jesus. John 6, 44. No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. So here's the thing. If, I, if, if the Father's drawing them, here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit gives them understanding. The Holy Spirit is the one who helps them to understand the truths of the gospel and what they need to do and what they need to accept. So here, folks, here's the, here's the reality. The Holy Spirit saves them. He's the one who brings about the work of salvation in a person's life. Now, if you notice something, all that I'm sharing with you, where are you in this? Just the guy who shares the message. Who's the one who's doing the work of salvation? God himself, through the person of the Holy Spirit. And then finally, the Holy Spirit uses us to communicate the gospel to the lost. That's what we just said. All right, let's close our time.